Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. I have had quite the week. The blowers in my car went out. I had to get a new little motor thingy for the, the heat to blow in my car. So And it's it got really cold here this week, so... That's how my week's going. How are you? Welcome back to My Seminary Life, or special hello to all of you who are dropping in for the very first time. We, or I, I always say we, I'm a one-man show. First thing you need to know, one-man show. Um, A few weeks ago, I started a new class on discipleship method. So far, I've deconstructed my... Thoughts on discipleship, looking at a lot of things that discipleship is not, that we often try to say is discipleship. Then last time we redefined discipleship, looking at a New Testament model of discipleship and also the Jewish mindset when it comes to discipleship back in the time of Jesus. And now this week, today, we are looking at hindrances to discipleship. Our conversation is going to be coming from Transforming Discipleship by Greg Ogden. My hope is that this is the only time we talk about this book because this is what my final project paper is going to be written on. And so I don't want us to like hash out a lot of it over the next few weeks. And then we get to the the last week of the class and I don't have anything to say in the episode because I already covered it all. But what he had to say in the book was relevant and kind of followed this pattern that we've been going on anyway, uh, dealing with What is discipleship? What is not discipleship? Now we're going to look at issues that are facing the church now that keeps the church from doing effective discipleship among the body of Christ. So that's what we're going to do today. I know we're not going to talk about, I know we're not going to talk about this book next week because next week, I believe, is when my interview with my, the pastor of the church pastor of my church who is in charge of the discipleship small group ministries. I had to interview him and write a paper about it. So that is, I believe that one is due next week. So we will most likely talk about that next week. The interview was actually yesterday. It went really well. And I've already got some thoughts churning, especially in light of what we are talking about today. But I'm going to try and save those for next week. Have the whole dialogue then. So again, Greg Ogden, in his book, writes eight hindrances that are facing the church now that keeps the church from doing effective discipleship. So we've already covered a couple of these back when we talked about deconstructing our thoughts on discipleship. So we're going to run down a couple of these quickly, and so that way we can get on with the rest of it. First, we have discipling through programs. That is one of the first big hindrances to discipleship. And if you remember in that first episode, that was like one of the biggest things is that discipleship is not a program. Discipleship is not just a class that you take at your church. Discipleship, as we have defined so far, is a submission way of life, submitting yourself humbly under Jesus and under others who will give you information, 
give you teach you scripture but also make that teaching applicable and their lives will be a model for you to follow in living out the Christian faith. So it's all it's all very hands all hands on, very tangible, and there's no expiration date on it. And when it comes to programming, usually there's an expiration date on it. You have like a you have to you know you take the beginners class or the new membership class, and that's like it for <clears throat> for some churches. <clears throat> but for other churches, you know, it might look more like you. Well, they might not even have a program. I guess that would be another thing, is that they don't do discipleship because they don't even have the program. Um, but yeah, discipleship is more than just a class that you take, sign up for, and it's also not as highly structured. That was also Bill Hull, something that he wrote in his book, The Complete Book of Discipleship. That discipleship is not just like this very rigorously um, scheduled out time period, again, it's life. It's doing life together, life on life discipleship, building each other up in the Lord. So it's not just a program, but so many churches, like that's where their mind go to is that it is a program that they need to initiate. And I just think, I think this is just like a, a this must be just like a way that we are wired to operate, you know? Like I just kind of look at my own life and how I conduct myself is that, you know, I have scheduled blocks of time to do things and I do these certain things this certain way. Like this is this is just the way that it works, you know, in my head. So I think we're just kind of wired to program things. We are just wired to make things like this is the way that it works, you know, like the Mandalorian or something. This is the way. That's the line from the Mandalorian. Like, this is the way. Like, we just have to program things. And <clears throat> when it comes to discipleship, the more that it becomes programmed and the more that it's emphasized as a program, the problem with programs is that it's optional. You don't have to attend the program. You don't have to do the program. You don't have to take the class. But with discipleship, the understanding is that this is a part of the Christian life. Like, th this is the Christian life. Like, there's no... There's no, like, option on this. Like, we are building each other up as followers of Jesus, not just, you know, taking the class, checking the box, and moving on. So programming is the first big hindrance. Number two, a two-tiered understanding of discipleship. And again, we've, we've beaten this one, I think, in both episodes, that just because... We say terms like, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, I'm a believer, I'm a, I'm a follower of the way. You know, if you use any of those terms, they're all the same. It's not like there are Christians who are just like entry-level believers in Jesus, and then there are disciples, those who are really close to Jesus. Like, in, in Jesus, we are all followers of him, we are all disciples, but this is a big hindrance that is keeping people from embracing discipleship because for some reason, and that is one thing that hasn't been explained yet, for some reason there is this two-tiered understanding of 
Christian and disciple. And this has not been explained yet, like where this mentality has come from. Each week I have to read an article. I actually have to do this assignment. It'll be funny if it comes up in the assignment I'm doing tonight. Um, But each week I have to do this assignment where I read an article and write a paper about it. And a lot of those have been more uh, recent history related. Books like Rediscovering Discipleship have been talking of further back church history. But these articles have been looking more like within the past hundred years or so. Okay, so very recent church history. So I keep waiting for it to come up in there, like where this under two-tiered understanding came from, but it hasn't shown up yet. But yeah, that's what the big hindrance is, is that some people just label themselves as either intentionally or unintentionally in their mind, label themselves as, I'm a Christian, and disciple, well, that's for the pastor, that's for the the guy in seminary, that's for someone else. And it's, no, we are all disciples of Jesus. This is a big mental roadblock that we need to break down still. Number three, reducing the Christian life. And I don't know if we've talked about it in this show, but I'm sure I've ranted about it before somewhere that we do an amazing job of boiling the Christian de- Christian life down to wooden signs and to, you know, verses ripped out of context and all these other things. Like, we would rather read the, the book that tells us the 14 principles that will make Jesus happy while we spend our money rather than actually get into God's word. We like simple, streamlined. It actually kind of goes back to the whole programming thing. We like the simple, streamlined, programmed, bite-sized bits. You know, here you go, spoonful your Christianity in type of approach to Christianity rather than we're going to get into the thick of Scripture. We're going to sink our teeth into some meatiness of God's Word and chew it together. Yes, realizing that people are in different spots in their in their spiritual journey, you know, you have to keep that in mind. You can't hand a five year old Institutes by John Calvin like you can't. I mean, a kid's really smart if you can. People, you need to be aware of like where people are at on their Christian journey, on their spiritual walk with the Lord. <clears throat> but at the same time, that doesn't mean you have to dumb it down completely all of the time. Like, we do need to, I think, I really think that the average person can handle more than they really think they can when it comes to knowing and studying God's Word. But again, this is another mental block that we have. Well, really, I don't know really if this is a mental block, reducing the Christian life down. I think it is a little bit because we think that maybe we can only handle so much There's also the issue that some people probably see it as like, well, the in-depth studying, that's more so for the pastor. I just need like, I just need the simpler stuff to get through the day type of thing. Reducing the Christian life down. That's an interesting thought. Maybe we'll make that our poll question this week. By the way, I don't know if you all knew this. I mentioned last week that on Facebook and Instagram, I've been uploading polls onto 
the story onto the story for the show. But over on Spotify and Anchor, all you Spotify and Anchor listeners, um, there is now a community section where I can post a question and you can answer that question. And if I really like your answer, I can pin it to the question. So you will become the answer. Ooh. So yeah, all you Spotify or Anchor listeners, be looking at that. I'll try to... I don't know if I'll go back and add questions for older episodes, but I did one last week, and I'll try to keep it going forward. Anyway, fourth hindrance to proper discipleship is diversion from primary calling. And I think this was the one in the book that all the people who are currently pastors taking this class said amen. Because this one is all about how we have gotten to a place where we expect everything out of the pastor pastors, elders, 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 like we expect everything out of them. We expect them to do every little bit. And then the rest of us kind of fill in the gaps as volunteers. What was interesting to me is I've never heard this before. Ogden said that a more biblical approach to the relationship between a pastor and a member in the church is coach and player. Like the pastor should be coaching you along in your Christian walk. Again, the Bible uses imagery of a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? He kind of, you know, he kind of guides and coaches the sheep along so that way they don't walk off of a cliff or can get to their food or water. So there is still, I think there is a better connect there than What we often see in the American churches, and probably churches elsewhere that are more developed, is that the pastor takes on this role of, like, CEO, and the board members, or, like, all the elders and whatnot, or, in maybe other church settings, the pastor and the staff are doing so much work, because we carry this huge expectation that they would. And this goes back to a need for redefining an understanding of what a pastor is supposed to be. The pastor isn't supposed to take care of our every little spiritual need. Like our pastor is supposed to be coaching us along to Jesus. Which maybe you should think about for a moment how you engage your pastor at your church now. Um, I know I am trying to think about that as well, but we, Our pastors are supposed to be guiding us along, not doing every little bit of spiritual work for us. So that's another big hindrance to discipleship because we have that mentality or it's so implemented in the church that unless the pastor is doing the discipleship, there is no discipleship going on. I believe his name is Thomas Kramer or Kramer. He wrote the Book of Common Prayer. He, uh, In our reading of Rediscovering Discipleship this week, we were looking at uh, people between, I think it was Luther to Jonathan Edwards, who were influential, influential in church discipleship movements. And he came up for one very simple reason, and it wasn't because he wrote the Book of Common Prayer. That was part of it. That, that has become you know a staple devotional life of many Christians. But... One, the reason why he came up was because his method of discipleship was people discipling each other. 
Like that was his big emphasis was that we are a body of Christ and we need to be ministering together and ministering to each other together. And that was revolutionary at the time. And I think it kind of still is. It's that we, we can build each other up in the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Unwillingness to call people to discipleship. I think that one is pretty straightforward. Um, the issue here is that we aren't being called to be disciples. We aren't calling people to discipleship, small groups, programs. We're not calling people to make disciples. We're just kind of, it's just kind of there for a lot of churches. Some churches like probably this is like their whole identity because, you know, some churches that's just, you know, they get, they get their identity wrapped up in something else. And probably there are churches out there who like all they promote is their discipleship and small groups and blah, blah, blah. But for a lot of churches, the issue is that there's not even like an emphasis being put in this area. There's a, not a desire among the people or the leadership or they don't have the have the people in the leadership to get it going. An unwillingness to get the unwillingness to call people to discipleship. Pretty straightforward. An incomplete view of the church. This one is also pretty simple. Church is optional is basically what this came down to in the book. Church is viewed as a non-essential. And let's pump the brakes for a second because we had the whole 2020 thing last year. And it was difficult and it was hard. And a lot of churches made decisions and nobody knew what the right decision was. They were all just trying to follow their best. They were all trying to make the decision that they thought was going to glorify the Lord the most. Okay. With that out of the way, with that out of the way, we need to have a proper understanding of the value of church. And what I mean by church is believers in Jesus Christ fellowshipping and building each other up. Because listen, folks, I've been in plenty of church buildings where people are gathered together and there is no building up happening whatsoever. Okay? Just because you're in the building and you're all calling yourselves Christians doesn't mean that it is still a church because there was no mutual building up whatsoever. I have been in such spiritually dead church environments that I, I wasn't even sure why they were doing it. Other than this is just the thing that they always do. And when you read the Old Testament and all the times that God rejected Worship and sacrifices is because it was heartless devotion. Heartless devotion. And I think that's an issue as well. The amount of heartless devotion going on in the church. We need to have a proper view of the church. This is a place where believers can be coached and shepherded by their pastor and a place where we can come together to fellowship and build each other up in love and good works. And if that's not going on, or if it is going on over Zoom, consider where you stood last year then. We need a better understanding of the church. The church is important. Fellowship is important. 
fellowship is what matters the most. And not just socializing, but loving one another through the word of God. No clear pathway to maturity. So, in some cases, you have churches who have, you know, programs out the wazoo for discipleship. Other churches, they may have, like, you know, discipleship, like, or they may not have any form of, like, discipleship, like an unwillingness to do anything in the discipleship realm. Still others, they have this hindrance of how do we build maturity? How do we measure maturity? And I want... I'm trying to watch my words a little bit here because this was actually something that came up. This was a really good section that came up in my interview with our with my pastor. So I'm I'm trying to like not give too many spoilers for next week. But one part of it is it is kind of difficult to do this. How do you measure maturity? How do you measure spiritual growth in an individual? Because again, going back to last year. In 2020, what we saw was a lot of people who seemed very spiritually mature say some really ridiculous things on social media. We found a lot of people who we thought were very mature spiritually who are very much soaked up in other agendas. So how do you measure maturity? How do you have a pathway to maturity? I mean, it's important to have the pathway to maturity by having actual discipleship going on in the church. But how do you how do you measure that? How do you successfully try to figure out, like, are we bearing fruit? And what is the fruit that we're bearing? And what is the fruit that we're not bearing? Are we looking more like Jesus now than we did last year? Are we, are we you know, you don't want to say are we sinning less, but like, are those struggles that you've had in the past, are they still there? Is Has the Holy Spirit transformed you in this area? How, how do you do this? It's a very complicated section, and I'm trying to save a lot of this more so for next week's conversation. So come back for that next week. We'll talk more about measuring maturity and pathway to maturity. And finally, number eight, the final hindrance, lack of of personal discipling. And this kind of goes back a little bit to which one did we talk about earlier? Oh, diversion from primary calling. Uh, this is kind of correlates to that is that since we, uh, so many people have this mentality and there's this hindrance that exists of the pastor has to do everything. Therefore there's this kind of pigging back off of it of people aren't discipling themselves. People aren't just reaching out and sending out invitations to other people to meet for coffee and work through God's word together or, you know, meet, to, you know, have a small group or whatever it is. Like, there's just a lack of people doing that for each other. Probably, again, because it's rooted in this mentality of the pastor and the church are supposed to feed us everything and guide us and program everything that we don't just take the initiative and we need to take the initiative. Obviously you need to make sure that you have the time and the space to start the initiative because there's initiatives that I'm all the time wanting to start, <laughs> but, but 
if you have the time and the initiative and you want to, then I, I think you should just do it. Okay, and maybe that's a good point for us to land on this week is that because this is this is really all I have. We have these eight hindrances. These are the things that block proper discipleship from taking place in the church. These eight roadblocks. It takes some time. Maybe re-listen to this episode. Run up my streams, please. Uh, Re-listen to this episode. Hit all of these again. Spend some time reflecting on what what is it that maybe is blocking your church, your small group, discipling through programs, a two-tiered understanding of discipleship, reducing the Christian life, diversion from primary calling, unwillingness to call people to discipleship, an improper view of the church, no clear pathway to maturity, lack of personal discipling. Consider those, consider those for your small group, consider those for your doing life together group, consider that for your church. And maybe if you see a lot of those hindrances, maybe this is your opportunity to pray and start to take the initiative. You know, I don't, it's kind of hard because you don't just want to say, go start a program, you know, don't just start a program, but if Rather than trying to go for the big change agent, maybe you start small and you just pick someone out and say, you know, I like being friends with you or I know you, you know, find someone that looks up to you and invite them to coffee and try to get this started. You know, if you're in a position where maybe you can make bigger strides of like, this is something that needs to become an identity and a part of our DNA here at the church, then cool. But at the ground level, kind of like where I'm at, like at the volunteer intern person level, like the best thing you can do is just to take that next step. Go find someone and lead them, disciple them. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now, or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.